Hello, and welcome to Fintech Surge Podcast, creating a wealth of opportunities through fintech innovations in the Middle East for the Middle East. Powered by Fintech Surge, the region's leading fintech festival, hosted by the BioWorld Trade Center alongside Jitex Global. Thank you for joining us. We're here with Tony Babb, uh, co-founder and chief executive officer of Harrington Star. Thank you for joining us, Tony. Uh, Toby, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute pleasure. It's uh, I get I get the, to- the Tony a lot, but it's lovely to be here. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure that's uh, it's kind of whenever you start a podcast, it's always great to to make sure that you sort of uh, fumble at the beginning. That way, everything else is a lot more fluid. <laughs> everyone feel, everyone feels comfortable. I like your style. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so from the information I have, you've been in the industry for over 20 years and you've seemed to have really come to understand how to implement, encourage and deliver on financial services and technology recruitment. Um, it just seems like a whole lot of, uh, you know, kind of different things kind of come together to make one person and your career. Can you tell us a little bit, what do you mean by how to deliver on financial services, technology or recruitment and how you how you came to, to this sort of role? Yeah, of course. So, so um, first and foremost, it ages me a lot that, doesn't it? Um, uh, it's, it's, tw- it's just over 22 years now since I first uh, stumbled into recruitment. And uh, you know, over, over that time, it's been something which I've, I've, I've absolutely fallen in love with. And um, yeah, I think that the, the uh, probably very early on in my career, I bumped into the uh, financial technology world, and we were more of a generic recruiter at that stage in the company I was working with. And uh, when we started up Harrington Star 12 years ago, the industry was um, was you know, that we wanted to niche in was something I was really passionate about, which was financial technology. And, and over you know, the 22 years, but particularly over the last dozen, we've seen a whole wave, wave of uh, innovation within it, and and it's changed tremendously um, you know, from being something there where. 20, you know, 22 years ago, which is going to sound ridiculous, but you know, you you were sending CVs via post and fax as opposed to via email, through to uh, now where you know where LinkedIn has has you know changed the world a little bit, and content marketing's come in, and outreach and community and everything in between. It's 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 two different jobs. Um, but one thing that's been constant is that there's been a need from the financial services industry to uh, to drive uh, tech talent, and all the way through that 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 time. It hasn't been easy for companies to attract, engage, and retain the right, the, you know, the right clients, uh, the right candidates to to drive their business further forward. And what we've um, what we've always been very passionate about is helping people understand that, get their value proposition out there, make sure that their uh, interview processes are on point, and helping companies look. This, the strapline of our business is your success, our business, which is about making sure people can grow their teams, grow their brands, grow their networks, um, and and all. From that, everyone grows their careers and their companies from it too. So, it's something I love and it's something I'm very, very passionate about. And be talking about for hours, so uh, I'll try not to drone on too much. <laughs> That's amazing. So, longer the days where our parents told us to, uh, you know, you want to get a job, go knocking on doors. You know, go down the street, knock on every single yeah, door, yeah. give them your CV, and then, uh, you know, don't come home until you found a job. Do you know what? You can still you can still do that, but it's uh, if you want to knock on my door, I can do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, even uh, back when I used to run my own agency, you know, there was times where people would come up to the office with a CV. And, and, and as much as I appreciated the ambition and the outgoingness of that approach, it was like, we, well, we set up all these platforms for you to apply to us. But do you, do you even know who we are? Well, you just saw an office door and decided to go knock on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I love. <laughs> I love sometimes seeing outside the tubes over here in London where, we're, where, where I'm based. Uh, you quite often see people stood outside with uh, sandwich boards uh, talking about 
looking for a job these are my backgrounds and and do you know what there's there's a I always I always love a bit of innovation with a with someone who's who's a bit more proactive than sort of sat there and waiting for things to come to them um but I think there's smarter ways of of being able to uh, market yourself and you know there's some really great agencies out there and great companies who can help people do that look we've got we've got two customers effectively one of them pays us one of them doesn't the candidates will come to us and say look this is who I am this is what I'm looking for this is my skill set who's the best people for me to be talking to and our job is to go out there and, and make sure we're we're uh, we're putting the right opportunities and not wasting anyone's time into it the other side is companies there who are looking to grow and the whole piece is about making sure we we uh, we help people achieve that and, and grow to their uh, you know to their ambition yeah, for sure. And and I know that, you know, maybe back in the day, um, you know, maybe your technology recruitment meant I need to find somebody with a computer sciences degree that understands how to code. And now we're moving into the areas such as, you know, fintech innovation, blockchain and crypto space. You know, so it's not just a matter of, you know, are you able to work with computers? But, you know, do you understand the space? Do you understand what blockchain is? Do you know how to implement blockchain? Can you create an NFT? Uh, can you put our company in the metaverse? So, mm. so how has, uh, how have you and, and, and the rest of you at Harrington Star sort of had to adapt to sort of this new demand for uh, the blockchain and crypto talent? Yes, I think this is really interesting. So I'll, I'll roll back, seeing we're being, as we're being a bit nostalgic, I'll roll back 20 years again to, uh, to when I first started. And, and uh, yeah, you're looking at a technologist and you're basically seeing someone there who is your, your classic uh, you know, ponytail and Jesus sandals and, um, and, <laughs> and, and, and sat there in, in the corner of a room not wanting to deal with anyone. And, and technology and business was very, very separate. Um, and I think people had technology to, you know, to, because they needed to have technology and it might be a bit of innovation in there, et cetera, et cetera. But it was, uh, um, you know, technologists were a different breed and, and didn't communicate with the business in any way, shape or form. And that's, you know, that's, that's evolved a lot over the last, uh, last couple of decades, but particularly, I think, over the last couple of years. Um, and it was starting to go pre-pandemic. And then, uh, you know, probably over the last 10 years, we've seen a lot more uh, people who are technologists needing to show more business knowledge. But I think, mm -hmm. you know, with, with, the, with the evolution of, of, of digital technology and, and businesses effectively being digital by, by nature now, digitally native, you're seeing people there who can't just be uh, your classic uh, coders who sit in the corner who don't have any impact into it because business and technology has collided ever, uh, you know, more than ever before. And if you look at it within... Uh, this next wave that we're talking about, um, and particularly with you know the advent of uh, of crypto and, and blockchain and everything that can do to the you know, the opportunities it creates within the financial markets, um, and this collision of uh, of traditional finance and decentralized finance that uh, I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later on as well. You're, you're seeing people there who need to have a um, you know a, a, a combination of skill sets. And that is deep technology understanding, but also an understanding of how that moves the marketplace. Now, I, I, I do a podcast myself called FinTech Focus TV. Uh, and within that, I'm talking, you know, for the last three years, I've been talking to, to hundreds of people uh, about their businesses. And I think the ones that have really thrived are, aren't the, you know, the, the out and out tech guys who are, who are forcing technology onto people. And it's not the business guys who aren't really thinking about where it goes. It's the people there who understand the problem which they're trying to solve, which is a genuine problem for the industry. Uh, and they're providing solutions to those, you know, genuine solutions to, to people within that. And I think that's that's a fundamentally important part of it. You're looking for someone who is now a 
um, a hybrid of of a of, of a good technologist, a strong business analyst and, and requirements gatherer, and probably product manager that's thrown in there as well. And then they have the uh, the sales ability to be able to present and to uh, to bring that to life. So even salespeople in in, in tech at the moment are needing that additional uh, knowledge to be able to have the credibility to help people solve their problems and explain it in you know, deep deep technology into layman's terms that allows people to understand it and, and move further forward. But so so it creates a really really interesting dynamic uh, about what the future of uh, of, it, of it all can look like. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I mean, I definitely think, especially when, when it comes to blockchain and crypto and NFTs, you know, I, th I still think that if you talk to the majority of people, they're not going to be able to have an in-depth conversation about even what all of these mean. Even when it comes to Web3, what is Web3? What is blockchain? What is the metaverse? Why would we need any of these things? And this is really, really innovative technology and it's technology that can make a huge impact on the world and on the markets within the world. And if the people who understand this the best are just coders who can't communicate or can't actually sell the impact of their technology, then you know, it is going to actually affect us all. And so, you know, as, as you're talking about the, um, you know, the, the coders, they kind of need some of that soft skill. They need to understand uh, business as well as just, you know, how to actually, you know, develop technology. It sort of makes me think of like, you know, building a house where you have a salesperson that sells a client, then they hire a contractor, the contractor hires um, construction workers. And I think kind of in the past, construction workers were the coders. You know, those were the people mm -hmm. that did the work and actually built what was going on, whereas a contractor might be you know, the project manager. Now we're seeing that sort of inverted. Wouldn't you say that uh, you know now it's almost like the, the people that are actually building it are the ones that are having the input on where the market goes. And it's almost like, okay, we, we've created a great product. Now we just need someone to sell it for us. So it's kind of a, a reverse, uh, reverse role situation. Yeah, I love that analogy, and I hadn't ever ever thought of it like that before. And I and I guess look, when you know, if you think about the architects that are involved in in, in all of that sort of process, and uh, you know, it, it maps out very similarly to what we're you know what, what you look at in in a standard uh, technology roadmap and where, and where things go. And and look, I think that that informative nature. I look at it and I think like, where are most founders coming from at the moment? What's the background of most founders? And and uh, I think within financial technology of, of innovative startups in the space, traditionally you've seen founders being um, from, you know, from a couple of different backgrounds, either deep technologists or salespeople, or um, yeah, to an extent bankers who you know, who, who've moved into uh, looking at something new. And I think right now it's really interesting to see this this emergence of product managers whose job is to go out there and really understand the needs of the customers and then provide solutions to it. And I think some of the fastest growing fintechs at the moment, and particularly in this space, are people who've really come from that product background and are able to bring it through. Now, product background needs that combination of, of um, your construction worker, um, i.e. the person who can uh, you know, create the technology to make things happen, but also then the person who can convert it um, and take complex, you know, as you say, a complex set of technologies and make them simple to say this is the problem we're solving. And right. I think it's that you know it's it's those people who can who can illustrate that and explain that in the best possible way that really have the um you know the 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 world in the palm of their hand at the moment in terms of what they can do and where they can um you know create opportunities in this marketplace. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that you really make a good point about, uh, you know, simplifying some of this technology. And I think that, you know, as we hear these buzzwords like blockchain and Web3 and, and all these sort of things, I, I think that some of the some of the reasons why it's so difficult to understand is because I think that we've been trying to sell the technology behind the applications when the truth is, I don't I don't know if everybody really needs to understand what blockchain is in order to understand what blockchain can do. Does mm. that make sense? You know, yeah, so I, I, it absolutely makes sense too. And I think you know, there's there's a lot of people who who get um, turned in circles around it. And I think there's a lot of over overcomplication. Um, and, and I and I do think yeah that 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 person who's got the ability to translate is is uh, you know, is is the person who's in the driving seat at the moment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we see with fintech, like, you know, whenever we tap our phone to make a payment, we don't need to know all of the, the different integrations, all the APIs, all the security checks, the, you know, what happens from the clearance house and the banks and, and uh, the vendor. And, and we, we don't really need to know all that. All we need to know is that when I tap my phone, money gets paid out, the merchant gets their money everybody's happy but i think that you know so fintech i believe has done a great job in sort of simplifying you know the technology within finance to just say here's the benefits to the end user and i think that the blockchain space could kind of take a note from the fintech space and say we don't need to explain to people what a node is and you know what decentralized means and why it's more important to be decentralized than centralized all they need <laughs> to know is that you know your, your money is safer that uh, transactions can happen faster, that uh, you know, there's not one single uh, entity or institution or government or authority that's controlling everything. It, it's, it's within your control. And I, I think that if, if we can, go ahead. I think it's clear benefit statement, isn't it? You know, you're looking, I, I, you, it's interesting you mentioned the phone there because I think, uh, I think the phone has fundamentally changed um, you know, people's expectations and, and it's moved from, uh, you know, buyer beware to seller beware. Everyone is so much more informed about what they expect. Everyone's got higher um, expectations of what they should and shouldn't be able to do because you can basically pick up a phone. I was speaking to my father-in-law about this last week on holiday, where your phone now is is your Encyclopedia Britannica going really far back. It gives you every bit of information you need at, at the flick of a switch. It's your camera roll. It's your uh, it's your torch. It's it's got every every single part of it is is there in your hand, in your pocket and available straight away. So our expectations have inexorably risen within that. And I think everyone who's there there has this um, shortened attention span as to what should happen and how quickly it should happen. And the beauty of technology and the beauty of blockchain is, is simplification and, uh, and ease of use. And I think the companies who, who I've been massively impressed with over the last few years are the ones who can sit there and say this is demystifying this is about speed this is about efficiency this is about friction reduction this is about making life easier easier for you and i think that's uh you know i i i, I trace all that back down to the uh the ever increasing uh, significance of phone in the, the the phone in everyone's daily life yeah absolutely i mean it's genuinely extension of our body right i mean i would 100%. i was having a conversation the other day that you know I wonder if you ask a heavy smoker or somebody just addicted to anything, what do you think you can go longer without, without smoking or without your phone? <laughs> it'd be interesting, right? You know, so, so people that, that can never, uh, that have a hard time giving up any sort of addiction say, okay, well, how about this? If, if you try that, then you can't use your phone. Maybe yeah, it'd be I'll easier for them to quit.
I'm definitely, I'm definitely not getting rid of mine. It's too important. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and actually, as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, so so the people that we're looking for are people that are are great with technology, that understand the new innovations coming through, that understand how to implement it, understand how it applies to business, how it affects the market, how it affects the end consumer. How do we recruit these people? I mean, if we if we're trying to take our business into the metaverse, we're trying to create NFTs for our company, or we're trying to put our company on blockchain. Like, how do you even look for that in the market to say this is the person that's right for me? Yes, yeah, so that's that's a great question. I think there's there's sort of twofold to it. Number one is look, there, there is an element of technical skill that's needed for this. So you know, as as always, as long as you know recruitment's been around, as you're looking to match. Uh, necessary skills with the uh, requirement that, the, that you have to be able to do that. Now, um, I'll go on to how you find that sort of individual in a second, but I think the, the the principal part of recruitment is the definition at the start, the discovery aspect. So what are you actually needing to do and what's, what, what's the um, ambition of this particular role? What does it need to fill? What function does it need to fill? Do you believe Along that that's the easy question to ask uh, people that are hiring? Do they always I I, know I, I, what they're looking I for? Think, yeah. I think that's a, that's a great question. So, nine times out of ten, it will need um, a it will need it will need expectation management. So mm-hmm. there'll be extra points. So, so the skill, you know, the ultimate skill of a recruiter isn't um, how influential they are; it's how good they are at uh, at questioning. Sure. So, uh, you know, our team should be um, world class at being able to. Uh, uh, sorry, there's a enormous amount of uh, noise coming out from some construction outside so apologies if that's just uh... i don't hear any of it actually <laughs> okay good good well, well yeah it's just uh, conscious of that from outside so um yeah look the, the ultimate skill of a recruiter is to ask the questions allow people to create that sort of spec between behind it and what people will do is they say right we think we need this and our job will be able to say right what if we could add x or y or z and help you get to that sort of thing so this isn't a monkey see monkey do Here's a list of uh, here's a piece of paper. Go out and find us that person. It's let's work together in partnership to understand what that might look like and what that that can create. Because there's still this this overwhelming, overarching thing to say. Right, I want to have someone who can already do this role. Who's going to come in from another company where they're doing it already, which they're leaving because they're bored in their current job. They come over here and six months later they're doing it. Which is why we've got this issue in recruitment worldwide, where there is a uh, an average tenure of about 14 months across the industry. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that. And its impact and, and its cost value, it's it's awful. Um, and it's kind of like a contractor world in technology because people are there and they're thirsting for new and, and uh, uh, new opportunities and new information and changing, you know, uh, looking for the emperor's new clothes all the time. Whereas I think a company should be looking at it and saying, right, let's let's look at how we can create this journey for that particular individual to them for them to achieve where they they want to go. So we're looking on one side at helping people define what they're looking for, and people will generally know. The sort of skill sets and what the function of that role is but what they might not know is is what's the dynamic of how that person can really fit into the team how long are they they're going to stay what's their motivations where do they want to go who do they want to be etc cetera, etc cetera. um and those are things that we'll work really closely with companies on to try and define to make sure we've taken it's it, the the germination of the idea the acorn of the idea and allow it to grow into the oak tree that allows them to get the, the right hire and make that moving further forward in terms of yeah. the, the other part of the, the implied question, I think that where you're going, which is all about um, uh, the you know where, what, and how do you find these people? Is look, there, there are skill sets that are evolving at such speed at the moment that people might not necessarily have the necessary skills 
like you know you can't you can't have someone with 15 years worth of uh you know of, of deep crypto experience and all this sure they, they don't have a blockchain master's degree at exactly this point, right, right. Exactly right. So, so what are the what are the transferable skills that they've looked at? What areas of technology can move across that? Um, and where's the, where's the passion and the interest? And there's a lot of people there who are who are um, deeply passionate, as you know, about this space. There's a lot of people who've got you know, who see it as their passion, um, and they start to research and they start to show these sort of things. And so, what we're not necessarily looking for is the finished article, and what we're not necessarily looking for for is three or four years worth of physical experience in that space. But we're looking for people who have the attitude, the aptitude uh, and the, the background to be able to cross train into these sort of things. And that's why I think it's such an exciting time for the industry to be um, not just saying, right, here's a black and white spec looking for a black and white CV that matches it perfectly and then move on to the next job. This right. is about helping people move into the next generation of, of what humanity might look like, which I think is a really interesting thing to look at. Yeah, absolutely. And, and something that uh, Natty and I were, were discussing on our podcast about uh, diversity and inclusion and creating a, a, an environment where people can thrive without necessarily fitting a certain um, certain stereotype or a certain role as, you know, they're not necessarily that boisterous, they don't necessarily speak up, they don't have to yell, they don't have to be that aggressive, whereas, you know, that is traditionally what is rewarded in most businesses. Um, you know, so, so as you're talking, I'm thinking about, like, you know, somebody that is the expert in blockchain and a traditional business that is trying to innovate and trying to bring itself into blockchain, chances are when they hire that person, they're essentially going to be tokenized. Uh, no pun in, no pun intended with tokens yeah. in, in crypto. But uh, it works anyway. <laughs> yeah, th th they're probably not going to be hired into a team that is already established and is already in charge of the blockchain and, and they're fitting a role. It's going to be one person who their job is to take a, a company and essentially, you know, ruffle some feathers and sort of remold it, which I imagine that creates some friction within uh, that person's career and the office environment as well. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. So, so, so um, the friction in the in a person's career is, is generally someone who's who's moving into this space is looking for that. You know, they're not looking to stand still. You're looking at you're talking about visionaries. You're talking about people who are early adopters still. Uh, and and uh, and people are looking to to, to see and, and create change. Now, with that, as with all areas around um, digital assets at the moment, there's there's naturally an element of um, of risk that, that's involved around that, which is why, um, alongside that, you're probably seeing a premium on salaries to a certain extent. There's an element of that. There's an element of danger money that's involved involved within it. But I think, look, if you're a company who is um, investing into that particular area. It's because you believe that it's the future of, of where financial uh, services and you know, great, greater areas of technology are, are heading. Um, and you're committed to that and you're ready to back people within it. If you're a candidate who's a, a job seeker who's looking to move into that sort of space, you, you recognise there's an element of risk around what you're doing and do, do your due diligence to allow that to happen. But people, I think, are encouraging friction at the moment. People are encouraging friction because it creates innovation. Innovation creates uh, creates answers that creates opportunities for people to go on and, and thrive. So, I think that's um, I think that's you know some, something there which people are generally uh, looking to achieve and, and backing within it. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, it makes a complete sense. So, I mean, it really seems like you know we are in an era of you know crossing over from one thing to the next thing, right? I mean, it, like you mentioned, the phones are an extension of us. You know, back in two thousand five that wasn't necessarily the case. We had a phone, 
if we needed the cost mm-hmm. of money, but it wasn't vital to our everyday life and to our everyday function, whether it's calling people, messaging people, uh, checking what's going on on social media, staying relevant socially, um, paying for things, uh, getting your bills taken care of. Everything now is you know, on our phones and in 2005, that wasn't the case. And then all of a sudden there's this big uh, demand for app developers where people yeah. like we we were talking about before the the coders that kind of just sit in the corner make sure that the website's secure make sure that the, it looks pretty and all of a sudden well i have to design something that for mobile like you don't even have that yet and, and yeah. i think we're kind of going over the same thing again you know people are being hired for blockchain and uh metaverse and, and all this sort of stuff and you know we're, we're really sort of in that uh that cusp of old versus new once again. And um, I know that you're, you're starting a documentary, correct? Yeah, I'm really excited about this. So it's, uh, it, it's something which, which we're looking at, which is, which is exactly around this. There's, there's, um, you know, I guess our, our journey of, of moving from, you know, traditional financial technology recruitment, uh, you know, most, uh, most century around the capital markets has, has seen us sort of move into this, uh, growing trend of, of companies who we've traditionally worked with, banks, asset managers, hedge funds, all recognizing the, uh, the power and the potential between uh, of, of digital assets and, and crypto as an asset class in itself as well. And so um, the more this conversation was happening, the more we were seeing it, the more we recognize there's an opportunity to create this documentary, which is called The Era of Convergence. Uh, and it's all about the, um, the, the collision path that we've seen uh, coming on from of, of Decentralized finance um, originally being there to disrupt, to uh, to overtake um, institutional um, traditional finance, uh, and now actually both sides recognizing that uh, that that they are interdependent. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're seeing is 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 a whole load of, uh, of of digital asset firms who've been there to be the punks and the uh, the visionaries recognize mm-hmm. that there is a lot of uh, of uh, regulation to 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 really take. Um, you know, the, the potential of digital assets to its for, for needs a lot of experience. Uh, and I think traditional finance has seen it rather than being this sort of waspish money laundering thing that, that they probably thought when uh, we had them at, on panels in, you know, five, five, six, seven, eight years ago, they're recognizing this is revolutionary and particularly, and, and I think they're particularly excited about the technology behind it. So what we're seeing is traditional finance looking to embrace and bring in the visionary technologists who are behind the, uh, the DeFi movement, and what we're seeing in the DeFi world is them wanting to embrace and partner with the, uh, the the institutions and traditional finance businesses to allow it to 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 really move on to the next level as well. So rather than it being uh, two warring factions, we're seeing this sort of entente cordiale where two two the two sides are coming together to create the future of uh, of finance, which I think is fascinating. So we've got some really really co- interesting conversations lined up in that space and. Uh, I can't wait to release that that uh, that documentary. It's going to be great. That sounds great. We look forward to it. Um, and something that I, I I always ask on these podcasts, especially when it talks about uh, you know fintechs and you know innovations within uh, the finance uh, space or or blockchain decentralized finance, I always ask like, is this technology going to completely wipe out the way that we see things now? Is is decentralized finance going to completely take over? Uh, traditional finance. Are we going to have a need for a bank now that we have neo banks and digital banks popping up? Are we going to have a need for you know these big institutions whenever we have a lot of these fintechs that are sort of 
doing the same thing, doing it a little bit more seamlessly, doing it a little bit quicker. And, you know, I always ask, like, is it going to be this or that? Will it eventually shift over? And it sounds to me like you you believe it's more of an integration than a shift. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so look, we've, we've had various um, incarnations, haven't we, of the fintech revolution. Um, and, I've, and I've always believed it's never been a, a revolution. So if you look at... Um, you know, the internet you know, coming through, it's about how people adapt to that. If you look then at, um, you know, the, the uh, electronification of financial markets, that was, uh, you know, moving things on to the next level again. And I, and I believe that this is all about efficiency. And and so whilst I don't think this is, you know, the, the war of, uh, you know, the, the fintechs versus the incumbents and, and, and only one can win and one will smother the other or one, it's, it's an embracing aspect. And, you know, maybe... 2010 2015 was an era where it was all about fintechs are coming to eat, eat banks lunch etc etc what banks did was recognize it embrace it create innovation labs and tech hubs and and back fintechs and say right mm -hmm. how can we utilize this to digitalize and make things better and i believe that this is the same the same play where you're just looking at technology increasing speed efficiency control cost uh, every single aspect you want it to do, and I think this is this is just another very very exciting uh, landmark in the evolution of financial services. And this one, I think, has people at the heart of it, uh, and efficiency at the heart of it, and cost at the heart of it, and speed at the heart of it. That makes for 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 very very interesting opportunities for for all parties. I don't think it's one wins and one loses. I think everyone can be better from it. That, that's great. And I, I was having a conversation the other day with. Uh with the CEO of a, a new digital bank. And he was saying that uh, statistically about 70% of human behavior somehow links to some sort of financial transaction, which means mm. that, you know, FinTech, you know, it, it's really too much at stake to, to not progress, right? If 70% of everything we do somehow involves finance and technology, then, you know, the more seamless, it, it's not really, convenient it's actually just necessary and you know really that's kind of what uh, you know the shows that we're putting on are all about you know we have future blockchain summit and fintech surge are co-located with jitex 2020 in october 10th through october 13th at dubai world trade center and we we tried to you know really get this message across as much as possible that we're inviting you know the banks, we're inviting the institutions, the regulatory authorities, the insurance companies, uh, investors, startups, unicorns, um, people that are looking for jobs, people that are looking to invest. So it, it's really the the full ecosystem that we create in here for people mm -hmm. to kind of converge, as you said, to to make sure that you know it's not a matter of well who's going to win. Is it going to be the the new fintechs? Or is it going to be the the banks, or are the banks going to stop the fintechs from from reaching uh, their full potential, or will the banks possibly innovate, which would negate the need for fintechs? These are all kind of the conversations that we have uh, throughout our event, and you know, for the most part, it is 100% welcomed by everybody in the ecosystem to have these discussions and say, how can the fintechs? work together with the banks? How can decentralized work with traditional? And, and, and it's a really exciting time and it's really exciting that we're bringing all of these people together, over 100,000 um, technology buyers coming together to witness this sort of explosion of technology that we're facing today. Yeah, I, can, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I love, I love what you guys are doing because I think this is a, you know, our, our business was founded on, on the whole concept of community. 
Uh, and we looked at it and, and we saw that there are there are banks, there are hedge funds, there are asset managers, there are vendors, there are service providers, there are um, challenges, there are startups, and, and all of these people are in, interdependent. And uh, our goal has been to put ourselves in the middle of that to be able to provide service and value and content and information that puts all of those people together and create opportunities for those people to mix and grow their networks and grow their brands. And I think during the uh, during the pandemic, one of the things that I greatly missed and the conversations I had, which came up more than anything else with with founders and when I asked them about their concerns in March 2020 about right, what are you what are you worried about is was we we you know, create a hell of a lot of our networks and our our meetings and our physical face to face opportunities at events. And all of a sudden, the lights were switched off on that, and people were moving to, you know, to, to uh, virtual events and such like. And and people were saying, right, that, that saves us money on stands, it saves us money on cost and travel, and uh, and it was almost like, could this be a bright new future? And my my gut always told me that actually the, the future of event marketing was going to be um, incredibly powerful, um, and because people, uh, uh, you know, yearn for that human connection and that face to face uh, opportunity and the learning. And I think what's great about what you guys are doing is there's 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 an awful lot for people to learn in this, and people um, have an, an innate desire to want to hear, and question, and debate, and see panels and see speakers and 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 uh, and have those opportunities to to you know to to build their skill sets by even talking about it on panels and uh, events themselves as well. And I think that's an incredibly powerful and important aspect of the ecosystem to have those opportunities for people to get together, to have those opportunities for people to network, to to co-create, to think about the uh, the marketplace and, and create a whole new level of thinking and thought that can really drive this further forward. Because this is without question the most exciting period of financial markets that I've seen in 22 years of having worked in it. And I think if this gets, you know, when this gets right, you'll suddenly see a, 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 a surge in an industry that I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about. And uh, to have events like yours that are allowing that to happen, I think is, uh, is really, really exciting. So keep up the good work, sir. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I mean, it really sounds like for you, you know, trade shows like Future Blockchain Summit and FinTech Surge are not just, you know, a nice to have, but pretty much a, a crucial necessity for businesses to really thrive and come together. I think, I think without question, if I'm speaking to 99 leaders out of 100 they'll recognize the significance of, of events like yours um, not only for their ability to you know to meet to connect to win new clients but predominantly for their ability to think to to uh, adjust to innovate and and i think that's that's a that's a really undervalued part of uh, of a of a, an event event community and i think you know, it's the it's the content and the value that you can create from all those sort of things that that are fundamental to the growth of the industry so yeah as i say keep up the good work well thank you very much for that toby and thank you for joining us today honestly it's really refreshing to kind of get a you know sort of a, a talent perspective on you know the blockchain industry i think that a lot of times we're talking about the applications of it we're talking about you know what's happening in the market you know how is the uae doing um for the the blockchain um ecosystem but you know it's really exciting to see the people side of it you know who are the people behind this and it really seems that you guys at the harrington star have done a great job of uh kind of getting that inside of your your grasp well we love it um and uh thank you so, <laughs> thank you thank you for saying that but i think it's just uh you know, I'm, I'm i'm passionate about people full stop and i think if uh 
you know, if you if you look at any business anywhere in the world and, and think what the difference between their success and failure is, it's generally coming down to people. And what I love doing is is allowing um, companies to access those people and make sure they've got the people. The, you know, if you've got a great idea, it's only going to become a sustainable great idea if you've got people there who can drive it further forward. If you've got a poor idea, great people can make that uh, make that into a great idea. Uh, and and if you've got a, you know a great idea and poor people, it works in completely the opposite for manner as well. So, we you know, we we see it as a real duty to to help people um, maximise their potential by bringing the best possible people into their teams, and it's uh it's something we'll we'll remain forever passionate about. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, well, thank you so much for your insights. Um, I'm sure that a lot of our audience is going to appreciate it as well. We look forward to the era of convergence. I'm sure it's going to be a blockbuster hit in, in theaters everywhere. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so let us know whenever that comes out. We certainly will. Look, listen, it's a real pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on the show. And, uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. Thank you for listening. Subscribe for all the latest updates on fintech in the Middle East and join the conversation over on our social channels. We look forward to seeing you at Fintech Surge in the Dubai World Trade Center from October 10th to October 13th. I'm Stephen Bess, and this has been the Fintech Surge podcast, creating a wealth of opportunities.